Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. As a former college coach, Skelly understands the importance of off-seasons. In college cross-country and track, the off-seasons are usually naturally created during the breaks in the semesters and during the summer. Uh, but what do you do when you're an adult living in the real world and you have to create these off-seasons for yourself? Um, there are really no natural breaks in training like there are in cross-country and track, so we must create them. And that is why I have brought on Coach Skelly, to talk to us about how to create these off-seasons and what they should look like because he is an expert on them. So, Skelly, I would love for you to explain a little bit about what the off-season is and kind of what it looks like. Yeah, so, so I'm really glad I listening to your intro that you talked about cross-country and track, and I'll talk a little bit about that and then lead that into how it goes with your everyday runner. Um, so when you coach, obviously when I was coaching in college, we'd have a track season that would end in like say May, and then they would not be back in season again until like August. So what do they do during that time? So an off season doesn't mean you go home and play video games and you don't do anything or, <laughs> or whatever, or basically what it means is you just really don't have any goal races or that kind of thing, but you still are training and preparing yourself for the next season that you're going to have. Um, and so in cross country, you know, I would give them a plan. We'd, do things in the summer, but it would be a little bit less, more of a, like a maintenance kind of a plan. Um, so you, you're staying fit, but you're not overdoing it because you still have to come into the season and then have that grind of that season and perform. So as an adult, it's similar. You get done with the race and maybe you don't even know what that race is, next is. Like you just said, it's, you don't have a, this natural break or season to, to look forward to. So you have to kind of think of what that is. So it's very individual. And that's kind of what we talk about when someone gets done with a marathon or half marathon is what's next. Um, and while you're thinking about what is next, you still want to be doing something and have a, a, some sort of structured program until you figure that out. And then you kind of from that can figure out how long that off season is. But off season to me doesn't translate into you're not doing anything. It's just maybe it's not as mindful of a goal or, or that type of thing. It's more of a maintaining type of a process, if that makes sense. Right. I love how you explained it as it's a period where you don't really have any goal races. You're still exercising, you know, and kind of maintaining your fitness, but you're not doing, you know, like a huge training block. You're not doing goal races. Um, and I, I love that. And I think I, I would love to like dive into, you know, I'm sure over the years coaching all of these cross country and track athletes, you've seen a variety of um, people taking their off seasons a little bit differently. You know, I'm sure some people like to push the envelope and do a little bit too much. Some people maybe didn't do anything. Um, where did you find like the most successful athletes uh, year over year during their off seasons? Like what were they doing um, that was different that maybe people who came back in weren't as successful? Right. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll answer it this way first. So there are, there is a lot of people that would do zero. They'd get mm -hmm. done with track, get to cross country and literally do nothing. And then wonder <laughs> why are these other people ahead of me that aren't usually ahead of me or 
you know, why am I not feeling good or th- those kind of things. And it's like, it's a pretty easy explanation. Well, you didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> and then, then the quite the opposite. We've had people get really, maybe they had a great track season and they're like fired up. And so they go out and they really hammer it and they do too much. Um, so for me, the, the way to do that, and I was very, and you know this because I coached you, I, I give people programs, here's what I want you to do. Um, being very mindful of, you know, doing enough, but not too much. And there's really a fine line there. Um, like during the summer, I'd usually ask them to not even race or do any of those types of things, even though many would like to, and just kind of being very mindful of how they do that. So the most successful ones were the ones that did enough to stay in shape and maintain. So when it came time to start training again, they, their bodies were ready and they weren't at a risk for injury or burnout or any of those things. And they had done enough that they were ready to handle some workouts. Those are the ones that were the most successful. And I could tell you when they came into camp, who did which one of those three things. Yeah, that's really (laughs) cool to hear. And I think the best part was hearing that you recommended no races, even though some people wanted to. And what you're talking from May to September, that's almost a four-month break in racing. And do you see that a lot of adult athletes allowing themselves that sort of same time frame? Um, Yes and no. I mean, some will if you talk about it. And you know what? It kind of depends again. Like I would let them if they wanted to do like a family fun 5K and they weren't really racers, that's another thing. And some people will do that. But if, if you have a goal race, you really want to think about like I get this all the time, too. Like people during their marathon want to do a half marathon and race it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can. It kind of depends on where you're at and, and how far out it is um, and those types of things. But you really always want to think of like even when we got into the cross country season, we had to race, you know, five or six times before we got to the meets that really kind of counted or mattered as far as like conference and those things. So you have to be really careful how you do that because you really can only peak so many times and you really just want to have this one goal in mind. So if you're racing all the time, it's really hard to do that. So even when we were in cross country, we might have five or six races. We weren't always necessarily racing every single one of them, if that makes sense. So the same thing as an adult, if you're out there and all the time you're doing a, you know, like I do have some people, they just love to race and they want to race every weekend. Um, Number one, it gets hard on your body. Number two, it's really hard to train when you're always racing. You don't have that time to actually do the workouts. They're going to help make you faster or stronger and those types of things. Wow. Yeah. Everything you said right there is so key. I like wish we could just replay that on a loop (laughs) because a lot of people, I think they're under this impression that it's like a straight line. Like you just keep peaking you keep going up 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 and you you said that you can only really peak once and I I love that and how can you like elaborate on that to really drive that home yeah so I don't know if you remember that I so I used to do this in camp and I know did you go to camp once or twice I went once once so I don't know and maybe I did this spiel then maybe I didn't but usually what I would do is I would lay out because in cross country you do obviously have a schedule and you have to do you do more meets so I wouldn't actually race everybody in every meet But we would have these races listed out and I would just ask the group as a whole, you know, is this race the number one, the first race we're doing of the year, the most important to you this year? No. Is this one? And you kind of go through them and then you get to the, like the final two, which are conference and regionals. Those are the two big meets. So what you do before that is super important to make those your peak races because your body can't do it eight times in a, you know, whatever we have 12 week stretch. So it was always, you know, pointing that out. And same thing as you go into your adult life, you look at your, that key race first and yes, you can sprinkle in a few races. And I think it, and it depends on the person. It's great if they're a beginner to maybe have them do a 10 K so they know what an atmosphere is like at a race or do something like that without actually racing. There's reasons to do some, but for the most part, and, and if you look at elite runners, they focus on one race, they might be training for 
nine months for one race Um, because your body just can't do it over and over again. Yeah, that's that's so great. I love hearing that. Um, I think that needs to be shared more. Just the whole (laughs) fact of, yeah, you're training for one race. And I've been seeing um, a lot of people doing half marathons in their marathon training cycles that they just do at like marathon race pace. And I guess that's like the most specific thing that you could do um, for marathon training. They say that it's like, because you're practicing the water stations, you're in like technically the racing atmosphere, and you're going the same pace that like you hope to run the marathon in. And I thought that was just really interesting, um, as opposed to racing them, which is really difficult to be able to, you know, handle like drawing back and not going out and killing yourself uh, yeah. in half. But it's just a really unique perspective and really asking yourself every time you go out to race or every time you even sign up for a race, like, why am I doing this? What yeah. am I hoping to get out of it? I think that's a great analysis. Yeah. But I think usually if you just ask the person the question, let's say there's a couple races in question, they want to run a couple, then there's their goal race and you say, which one's more important to you? And they're going to say, well, the, the merit, the goal marathon Then I'm like, then you just answered the question for me. You know, we either shouldn't do this or like you said, maybe we do a pace workout, but it's really hard for people to do that. And I can give you a great example of that. And I think I have before of myself, <laughs> I was training for grandmas and this is a time when I was, you know, a little bit faster than I am now. And I was, I wanted to run like a break of three ten cause that was the grandma's or the, excuse me, the Boston qualifier at the time. Mm-hmm. And I did um, green Bay about five weeks before, maybe four weeks. I can't remember the timeline. And I was just going to run marathon pace just to practice, just like all the things you just said. And for that, for me, that was about a seven fifteen pace. Well, I went out in a six fifteen pace. <laughs> So a full minute and felt great. And just every mile I, I'm holding this and I ran 615. I don't still don't know how 615 pace for the half marathon. Awesome. Right. Well, guess what? You five peaked. Weeks later, <laughs> yeah. Like I was literally five or six miles into it. And I'm like, I can't go this pace. And it was a minute per mile mm. slower than that half. And it was, I know it was because of that. And I also let myself get a little sucked into, Ooh, I can run way faster. Um, cause I ran like a one twenty three half, I can run a three hour and I also changed my goal. So wow. just because I've done this for years doesn't mean I, and this was early on before I really coached. Right. Um, no, totally. so I know better now, but back then it was like, well, I can do this. And yeah, it did not work out well. And that was just an example of, I had this goal race and I let myself, so it's really can be difficult to, and I have some people that do it, that they'll do a race and I just want you to practice this and they do. I personally don't have enough discipline to do that. Yep. Well, and then I think it's really interesting that you gave that example, you know, racing a marathon four five, six weeks out from your goal marathon. I think that there are a lot of coaches out there or just like a lot of philosophies out there or even free training plans online where you might even see half marathon race. And I think sometimes people like go into the expectation and do a marathon training cycle that, you know, I'm going to PR the half and I'm going to race my marathon. And I think just getting greedy like that and almost expecting like, okay, my body is not only is it going to run 26.2 miles as fast as it can. It's also going to run, you know, half as fast as it can. And the half marathon distance, I think it's a lot of like disrespect just because of, uh, just because of the marathon and the half is like, it is a beast, you know, like you could do a whole training cycle for it and be working just as hard as a marathon training cycle. Um, if you're really like going for a fast halftime, 
Um, and I think sometimes people just look at it as almost like an afterthought. They're like, oh, well, I'm a marathon shape, so I might as well like race a half. And yeah. that seems to be kind of the culture. And I like how you said um, that it was a mistake for you. And I think I've even made, you know, the same mistake before where I, you know, maybe when I was younger and some athletes, they can handle, like you said, doing a half marathon race during the marathon training cycle. And I used to be able to handle that back when I was in my early twenties, you know, before kids and having a more relaxed schedule. Um, and then last year I, you know, having a one-year-old and just like being a little bit older, granted, I'm not that old, but (laughs) you know, a couple of years, it just, my body couldn't handle doing a half race and then six weeks later racing a marathon. And like you said, it's like something, it was just like, I felt like I already had my goal race when I was lined up at the marathon start. Um, and that's just not a good feeling to have to leave it. I I definitely used my peak on that race. And and I do occasionally, I have people that'll do them, you know, do a half my marathon, you know, five weeks old, but it's part of the training. And maybe we're doing summit rate, you know, goal race pace for the marathon and then, let them pick it up a little bit at the end or something like that, mm-hmm. but just to full out race it. Um, it really depends on where it is. And you want to be careful of that. I, I just had someone ask me who's doing CIM and I've coached her for like a year and she's like, well, she has a half, four weeks, four inches. I really want a PR. And I said, well, how do you want to do it? CIM. Right. She, she goes, got, I got it. <laughs> like she understood. That's all I had to really say. Yep. And uh, so now we're, she's still going to do it because she's doing it with some friends, but she's going to do, a workout, you know, kind of an easy run meets a workout kind of a thing. And that I'm okay with as long as she indeed does that. So if you're listening, you're, you need to indeed do that. (laughs) And I know this person will listen and she'll know exactly who it is. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. I I think I might know who it is too. And I think she'll listen. I think she's she's a good student, (laughs) Um, but I love the idea of just, you know, keeping your racing schedule and just knowing when your, your goal races and even like allowing during that off season time where you're not racing at all, because like you said, racing's hard on the body and you're really only getting, you know, a couple peaks in a year. I mean, at the RFCA certification, they would always say you get two peaks per year if you're lucky. So like choose them wisely. Yep. And when you're doing all that, like I said, when you're trying to write a training plan, cause I had one person who came to us and I, I, this was before I worked with him. I looked at his training before and he did like a race every week. I said, well, the first thing dude is we got to take this out. I mean, this is just way too much. You'll, where am I ever supposed to train you to mm-hmm. do the workouts that are going to help you run better if you're constantly like taking it a little bit easy so you can do this race then taking it a little bit easy and doing that like every week it's really hard to train someone that way so I really have uh, open talks with people about that and there's still people that again they just run them to run them and that's that can be sometimes okay but if you're racing all these races it's it's just not going to work out yeah and you know that can be a difficult conversation to have with athletes there are some people who really want to do you know all the races and they say oh I'll take it easy but with my experience, I mean, my parents, for example, uh, they started running when they were like 50, they're empty nesters. They like to travel. They want to do all these races. And I've told them, you know, like we, you got to cool it with, you know, because like, <laughs> it's just, they, they trained for twin cities this year and they did like, I don't even know, probably six or seven and a half marathons in the buildup and writing their plan. I was like, no, I said, I don't want to, <laughs> I can't. 
And they're like, no, we'll take them easy. I'm like, no, you won't. I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go at like a moderate pace. It's not like marathon pace. You're going to half race it, like half not. And it just, it kills me like as a coach to like try to write those plans. And they're my parents. So like I have to, you know what I mean? I'm like, how do I make it work? But um, needless to say, they did more half marathons and races this year than they usually do. And they had a horrible fall marathon experience and they were like why did I feel so bad and I'm like I told you guys like no um so I think that's just really good to point that out because even if you're not racing or even if you you don't go all out or try to like use all of these races as your a race it's still stressful I think to be in a racing environment to put yourself out there um and even to go like that moderate in between you have to ask what am I giving up to be there doing this like half, half effort of a half marathon, you know, like there could be a ton of quality workouts that you're missing out because you're recovering from, you know, just some kind of like garbagey miles. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And Uh, I think it's a, it's very individual too. And I, and I try to, I'm not afraid to have those conversations, especially, you know, both of us have, you know, coached a long time, but we've also learned from our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's what I will tell people is I'll give them, here's a personal experience or here's someone I know who tried to do X, Y, and Z, and this is how it turned out. Um, And I think sometimes when you give those examples, it'll help people understand it better that we're not just trying to, we're not trying to suck the fun out of it or say not race, but um, you're also wanting us to write this training for a reason. So I do want to give you my honest opinion um, and kind of tell you, you know, lead you in the right direction on, on how to do this. Cause I've seen it done. I've coached people who've done it. Um, so just trying to be as helpful as I possibly can. Yeah, that's great advice. I think maybe just getting more to like the topic of off season and kind of focusing more on that. Um, as far as like the specificity, because we talked about, you know, your cross country athletes having that four month break. Um, and that was one time a year. And then I know over winter break, how many weeks do they have off then? Um, oh, how much do they have during the break in between cross country and track? Yeah. If so any. it depends. Cause if some do indoor and some didn't, okay. um, but usually it was only like two or three weeks, not even, um, that we'd have to be back into practice if it was indoor, but I would, Basically, we wouldn't have any meets till January. So you'd be going from when's the last meet is in November to mm-hmm. so not long, <laughs> like right. six weeks. So you have to be months. really careful on how you do it. Yeah, but that's still great to like show that there's kind of just different ways that you can take breaks within a season. And, you know, you don't have to take like two really long breaks. Sometimes you can take like a longer um, break. Yep, exactly. and then It just looks different for everyone, too. So like we're just modeling what they do cross country and track, but it could look different for, you know, a recreational runner. Um, I think, you know, we're coming off of fall marathon training right now. And I think it's really popular if athletes, you know, take maybe two months of more of like a recovery. Um, So what would that look like as you're a marathon coach now and you do more adult stuff? What, what sort of mileage is someone running during that off season? Yeah. So it depends on what kind of mileage they're used to doing. Number one, like what did they do during the marathon? And obviously you have kind of your peak week. So maybe I'll, I'll look at their average kind of weekly thing and how did they handle it? How did they come out of this training cycle? They feeling great. Did they have any injury problems? You have to look at a lot of things before you decide that. Um, then to me, I really think about it on a week-to-week basis. But I, I probably, let's say, just for an example, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, let's say you usually average 40, out, 40 miles a week. I'm probably having you do 25 or 30 with some cross-training to kind of keep that cardio going. That's just an example. Um, it, it, can be, it can 
look a variety of different ways depending on who the person is, what their experience level is, how they came out of it, what they're training for next. So it kind of depends. But for me, for the most part, definitely it's less and um, it's definitely not as intense. Yeah. So basically reduction in mileage and reduction in intensity. Definitely agree with you there. Um, but I exact percentage, I couldn't tell you because it would depend on the person to some degree. So I don't say like I do 20% less. Um, it kind of depends and I look at what they were doing before, but it's definitely less and not as intense. Yeah. I like the example you gave, like they peaked around, you know, like that 40 miles per week for a couple of weeks, um, during marathon training. And then you brought them down to like 25. So there's, like you said, there's no like special formula, but I think anywhere between like 50% of mileage, maybe all the way up to like 75%, just depending on the athlete. Um, that's how much of, uh, you would cut back to about like that much percentage of. Yeah. And I, and I think especially like early on, it's, I'm thinking, I was thinking more in my head, like a month down the road, that's probably what I have them doing the first Uh couple of weeks. The first week is nothing. And the second week is probably less than half. I mean, probably more like your 75%. And then slowly kind of getting back to a safe and and part of it's listening, you know, listening to what they have to say, letting them know to listen to their body, how are you feeling? Kind of a lot of communication at that time to figure out what's the, the magic kind of number and not over. I'm very much a person, as you know, errors on the side of caution. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to see people get hurt. I just had a conversation with someone yesterday and I'm very proud of this fact that when I coach, so I coached college cross country and high school for, I don't know, 15 years. And that entire time I only had two people ever have a stress fracture. Wow. Even the, even those two bug me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that happened, although it was more off season summer training of somebody who, uh, did a little too much. Right. And um, yeah. so, but it's still, I, I, that's because I, I think it's so important run consistently, stay healthy. So I always kind of err on the side of caution for, so for me, it's always doing enough. So you're getting the benefits, but not overdoing it. Yeah. That's like really great advice there. Um, and I know like with the stress structures on college, sometimes it's, you know, it's, they're a lot more common than I think people right. think, especially coaching like the female cross country yep. team. And yeah, that, that can be a whole conversation. That's I feel, yeah. That's why I feel very great about only having two Yeah, um, that I was smart enough to hopefully, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here that I erred on that side of, you know, being, being cautious more than pushing it too much, which I do see a lot of people do too. And coaches do. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. Do you ever see athletes that maybe, you know, overdo it, like you said, in the off season, um, the kind of like the one example you said that someone had a stress fracture after the off season, cause they try to like overdo it. Um, what are some ways that like someone could avoid that from happening or how, as a coach, if you would have seen what she was doing, would you have like had a red flag or. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is actually, and I won't say any names. This is someone, right. you know, no, I and know it was, it um, yeah. yeah, but, but basically she never trained in the off season before cross country, but she had a lot of ability and kind of by the end of the season was always doing well. Well, she had a really good track season. She was fired up that summer. I gave everybody, you know, what they should be doing, but obviously they live in different towns. I'm not seeing them run at the time. There was rules about how much you could contact your athletes and things like that. So I didn't ultimately know what they were doing. And she was basically doing double of what I, you know, cause we had a conversation after and she came in and this is always a sign to me, like the very first meet or workout, she looked like really good shape and was like, really ahead of people she wasn't normally ahead of and I'm like "Uh uh-oh um because you you should come into the season ready to train but you shouldn't be you know like PR and peaking on meet one or work on one and I could tell I'm like okay um still not knowing this was gonna happen then she ended up having a stress 
fracturing her femur about maybe two meets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran super well, um, but ended up having the stress fracture in her femur. So then, and this is a person that's really more into track. So that obviously set her back a little bit for that and had to, I think, skip indoor and do all that kind of thing. So it's kind of a drastic example, but it's, that's what I see a lot of times and why it's really nice to have a schedule and not to say, hey, go out and run. You know, I really think you should do this. And I would, I would spell it out, you know, month by month. Here's the first month when we're coming back. I call it the boring month. I would even write that on there. We're just going to be running easy. And even the second month, we wouldn't do much more than like a few tempos. And then that third month, maybe we're doing a little bit more just to get ready for the season. But really having a structured plan and idea of what you're doing and why. Yeah. And that's just so crazy to know, like everyone's so different and I'm sure, you know, dealing with cross country and track, you even had athletes that were very different. You know, some people were taking a lot more time off. Some people were training, you know, a lot more during the off season and now even working with adults, it's the same sort of situation. So everyone's off season is, it's going to look a little bit differently. And I worked with a coach, um, like almost two years ago now training for Boston, uh, when I was like five, four mo- five months postpartum and I remember having a coach and afterwards, you know, you, you have to take time off when you, when you give birth, uh, I took, you know, a month or two off and then ramped up. I was only training for two months by the time I had ran Boston. And he said, you know, like, since you just took like six, eight weeks off, like you could probably get away with easing back into things a little bit faster. Like you don't need to take the full like month off, you know, you can take Mm -hmm. a a week. And, and then I thought, Oh, that's very interesting because I didn't think like if someone had just, if you had just taken, you know, six weeks off and you only had, you know, like a 10 week training cycle, you might be able to get away with easing back in a little bit more than someone who hasn't taken any time off in a year. Um, and that's just really good to note because sometimes, you know, you see things on social media, you know, bringing that up again, um, you're off season and what you're doing, is not ever going to look exactly like someone else's, even if you're the same pace, even if you've been running for the same amount of time, like you're a unique person and there is just like no real cookie cutter way to do it. Um, and that's just really important to remember. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of times after we do these podcasts, I'll have someone email me and say, well, you said this, shouldn't I do this then? Mm-hmm. And well, it depends. Um, I, Cause obviously we're just giving some examples. And like you said, there's everybody's different. And that's why you have individual coaching because you're an individual. And what I might have you do is might be different than what I have coach Tia do or someone else do kind of depending on where they're at. And, you know, obviously I know the circumstances of how the training went and how the race went and p- taking those things into consideration before I decide what a person should do. And everybody's different. It might look different I might train you for a couple of years and how I have you do your off season one time might look different than the next time, depending on how, how things went. Um, and that's where coaching comes in. Cause you see those things, you know how to react to them and, you know, kind of know how to look for signs of this person might be overtraining a little bit, or maybe they're not doing enough or, you know, how do I motivate them? All those different types of types of things. I love how you said that, you know, each off season, even when you're working with the same athlete can look different. And I think that's a really valid point because sometimes, you know, as coaches, you mix things up and there are reasons for that. Um, and sometimes athletes are like, well, why is it look like this this year? And it looked like that last year. Um, and it just, it, there's so many things that change in a year and your training is different and everything's just different. And I think, you know, some coaches, when you sign up with them and they say, you know, we're taking a week off, that's how we're going to start because they don't know where you're coming from. And if you, if it yeah. looks like you're, you're like a burnt out kind of person, that's, that's good advice. <laughs> yeah, know, like, it is. Cause yeah. we'd have no clue. And even, you know, when you have people 
telling you what they're doing. Well, like, for example, when I had this cross country runner that was off and I thought doing what I had asked wasn't, I don't, you know, you ultimately don't know. So that, that is actually very interesting that you say that. Yeah. There's a, some coaching company I saw a couple of years ago, they posted, you know, the first thing, anytime they get someone that they feel kind of, it has that overtraining tendency. First thing they say, okay, uh, work on number one, take a week off. <laughs> and that's just like brutal. But I think some people need that. You know, I'm probably one of those people that has a tendency to want to overdo it. And that would just, yeah. uh, taking a week off would be like the hardest thing. But you know, that's, that's a great way to start training because it's like, once you have that rest, you're able, you're in a state where you're able to start training again. Um, yeah. and that's just a great foundationary thing. And, uh, a lot of people think, you know, okay, running coach, I only need to work with you during the season, right? Like I, I get people all the time. I mean, even when we started run for PRs, it's like people only want the the training plan, right? They only care about the race. They want the build up. They want the 16 week marathon training plan. They want the PRs, but then it's like a lot of people, you know, they run their goal race and then they're like, see you later. See you next time we, you know, uh, run another race. But, uh, and there are so many benefits to working with a coach and being able to oversee that off season, because like you said, there's so many things that can go kind of wrong during that time. I think that's actually the time where more things tend to go wrong because people think, Oh, I'll just rest or, Oh, I'll just, you know, do minimum. But it's, that's the time when it's very important to look at your background and say, all right, like we either need to really back up or like we can maintenance a little bit more. Um, so what do you think the benefits are of working with a coach during the off season versus kind of like leaving yourself to your own, you know, training? Right. And I think you just, you hit the nail on the head. And I, I think sometimes, and this, I thought of this as you were talking, it's, we, you know, they hire us to do this structured program for training when you could argue that the most important time to have a coach is in between, mm -hmm. like doing the right things in between, because I have so many people, email, I have no idea what to do now. Um, so yep. then all of a sudden you're just going to go off your own and just throw a dart at a board basically. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I think about that all the time. I'm like, well, we've, you know, we've worked together for this long. Now this is where I can really help you continue to do what you've done already. Or, you know, some, obviously not every race goes perfectly. What can we do different next time? Some of that, happens in the off season like what do we do differently this time so we have a better experience next time or get even better than we did when you had a great race so I think you could argue that it's the most important time and that is a little bit frustrating when you train someone they have a you know a, you know they're going to take you know a couple months off you have no idea what they did and then they come back okay I'm ready my race is in six weeks Oof. or eight weeks and we have that and it's like well what have you been doing and you know how have you been? It's just difficult for me. And I would say most of my, a lot of people stick around and I think oh, that's yeah. so nice mm -hmm. um, to kind of have that cycle of what do we do next? And, and some of it's not, at first, not the most exciting. So you might be, well, I'm paying for this coaching and it's like <laughs> easy, but it's, we, you got to have that step to get to the next step. You can't just jump ahead. And, you know, and I, you have to watch that yourself as a coach is okay. This person's, you know, paying me to train them or whatever. They want all the bells and whistles, but you have to know when to blow those whistles and ring those bells and not do it, you know, just because you think you're supposed to. And that's one thing, you know, being older and, and learning over time is you have to do what's right, not what you think people want. No, I love yeah. that. You have to do what's right, even if it's not what people want. I love it. And that is super important because I think there's some like methodology out there, some people out there who think like, oh, like I'll just throw a bunch of workouts at this person. And, you know, obviously like they're going to improve or they're going to like it. Like people like to do workouts. I don't know, yeah. but that's not what's best for like the long-term success. So 
giving that rest and recovery and yeah, like paying for a month of training when you just get like a lot of rest days. I mean, you're still getting, and then easy running. I think some people, they don't really like see like, what's the point. And most of our athletes, they're great. They like will train with us through the off season, but there's been times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like they take a month or two off. And then I go in and look in training peaks and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like yeah. too much. So now it's like, even if someone's taking the month off, I will sometimes like just throw like just an, like minimum things and training peaks. Like don't do more than this, please. Because yeah. it's amazing to me, like how, how easy it is for someone just to like overdo it. And, it, and that's the, like the really vulnerable time is right after a marathon. Um, I, I think people just like underestimate like how much you really need to take m- more time and l- do less, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's always it's always tough, but I love how you said like there's the benefits, and one could argue that it's even more beneficial. And I can agree more. Yeah, because you it, and it's funny because people always say, "Well, I don't know what to do," so you don't yep. know what to do, so you're going to do it on your own. Then, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's I sound like I'm being a smartass, but that's kind of how I think about it. But right, well, where I feel like I can help them the most then to be prepared for the next time. So exactly, and even for like a marathon train cycle, I mean, you've seen all the free plans online, like you could literally Google like marathon training plan, and you get hundreds of like free things online. And it's, it's amazing to me how like people will come to us for that, because there's tons of free stuff online you could use. But then for like an off season, if you like Google like off season training plan, you're not going to get much. You're not right. going to get a lot of stuff. So it's funny that that's the time where people are like, oh, I can handle it. It's like, right. Well, and that but... whatever it's been spit out by the computer, they don't know anything about you or what you just did. Either. Nope. Yep. And, and so, and for me, you know, I coach because I love it. Like even back when I coached cross country, my first two years when I was assistant, I didn't get paid anything. I did it because I loved doing it. I loved helping people. Um, and that hasn't changed. And it's, in a, and it's so helpful if you can help that person year round, not just during those those race periods. Cause that's when they're going to, and especially even like when I coach cross country and track, why it was so nice to have, I wrote all their training during the summer and during the off season. So it was like a year round thing. So, and I'm not a control freak by any means, but I always knew what they were doing and, uh, or supposed to be doing <laughs> at least. So, and, and I had everybody take train, you know, like we have training peaks at that time. We didn't have this computerized stuff. They did training logs and I had them send them to me. So I at least kind of knew, you know, as long as they weren't fibbing what they were doing. Yeah, that's, that's great to know that, you you know, tracking during the off season that can really make a difference. And I think, you know, we kind of talked about the mileage reduction and how, you know, you want to be reducing the intensity. You want to be reducing uh, the, the mileage, the amount of mileage that you're running. But then we also kind of talk about cross training. And I know in the previous podcast, you said, let's add in cross training. And I think I totally agree with that. Um, how do you know, like what the right volume of cross training is? Cause what if you only reduce your mileage? Let's say you were running 40 and now you're doing like 25, you're a month away or you're a month from when you ran your marathon and you're wanting to add in cross training. Like how, how much of that do you add in and how do you know if like you're doing too much? Is there such thing? Right. So I think you're, you're at less risk with cross training because of the impact and it depends on what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. cross training could be swimming, biking, elliptical, you know, any, any one of those types of things. And I, you know, as long as you're, and it is different than running. So as long as you're doing, you have to do it the right way. You have to do enough as far as like how you're exerting yourself to get cardio out of it. But I, I for me personally, like, I'll just give you an example. I usually, if someone hasn't done cross training, I'll add in one, I'll take one of their runs away and, and put in a cross training. And then maybe eventually, or if they, let's say they came out and they're a little bit nicked up and injured, I might do get rid of two running days and make them cross training days. And I'm not saying forever, 
just for, you know, several months or whatever, while we're doing this kind of off season thing again, you know, and we're like a, you know, beating a dead horse here. It's very individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as I think crossing, I do talk to people about it. I just actually had someone that's coming to us. Who's new, who's coming off of a, like a stress reaction mm-hmm. and she can't run for another two weeks. So we talked on the phone yesterday about doing cross training. So now she's going to do specifically, that's all she's going to do. Cause that's all she can do. But I told her we, we still have to be careful about how much we do and because there's still an injury there and those types of things. So just a lot of things to consider. But I think typically me personally, I don't know about you, I add in one and then maybe two depending on the person. Yeah, I love this topic of cross training. I think it's a great way to like switch things up during the off season because, you know, for some runners who live in the colder climates we're coming up here on winter (laughs) and it's not a fun time to train outside I mean if you're in Florida and you're listening you're probably like what are you talking about but you know (laughs) it can be there's just not roads to run on that are plowed and it can be really hard when it's dark at 4 p.m and you know minus 10 Right. And so last winter, I kind of got more into the whole cross training thing. And I thought, well, there goes all of my, you know, running fitness out the window, because (laughs) I'm only running two days a week or three days a week at the most. And I was running less mileage than I ever had. But at the same time, like I was sitting there on the indoor trainer on the bike, and it was like a lot more enjoyable for me. I don't really like the treadmill. And I've you know, I used to force myself to run on it during the off season. And I think it would leave me like in a bad headspace because I, I thought I had to. Um, and I just kind of want to share this because I think some people listening, maybe they can relate. Like, you don't know what to do in the winter. Do you force yourself to run on the treadmill? Do you force yourself in that freezing cold? And I didn't want to do either. So I got um, like an indoor bike trainer and I, I was using Zwift and just having more like fun with it. Um, just mixing things up, doing some swimming. And I was only running two to three days a week, but then I I went my first race after like five months off of anything. It was my first run outside in like three months. Um, Like I PR'd in the 8K and I was like, what is (laughs) happening? Yeah, it's crazy how that happened because I totally had to let go of like all of my running stuff. I was like, I'm over it. I don't care anymore, (laughs) you know, because in the winter it can be so hard. And it's just like I went through so many winters of like forcing myself through all of this rigorous training. Um, and then in the spring, like, I just kind of didn't feel, I don't know, like my spark was gone. Well, I think too, what you were experiencing there too, is you were giving your body a break without knowing it and Mm -hmm. still doing cardio. Yeah. So it wasn't like you were just only running two days a week. And then the rest of the time you were sitting around, (laughs) You you were still mindfully doing something that it probably benefited you more than, you know, trying to get out in the winter and run and do those things. And and all that kind of stuff. But I think I missed your question because I got excited about something else. No, I think it's great that you added that in because I, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they panic if their mer- or if their mileage kind of drops below a certain level. They're like, well, I won't be fit anymore. And they're afraid to try cross-training because they think that they'll lose all of this running fitness, even if you are biking a ton or elliptical or whatever you're doing. Right. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to – the fact that you can take that time off and I think mentally allowing yourself to do that and knowing that's going to be okay. Like, have you ever had someone in a similar situation where like they, they really drastically cut down how much running they're doing just for personal reasons, or maybe like they were a triathlete or something like that, um, taking time off from running in that aspect. And then they come back and they're more successful at the running sport. Yeah. And I've seen it happen many a times. I can't think of a particular name, but I've seen so many people or even just friends that, cut back and just do the cardio or just like you said and come back and 
either they're either just as fast or faster than they were before. Mm-hmm. And I think again, that just speaks to giving your body that time to rest. And it's not like your car, like cross training isn't cardio. I mean, you're still, as long as you get your heart rate up, it really isn't that huge of a difference. It is different than running, of course, but it's still giving you benefit without that stress. But especially if someone likes to swim, mm-hmm. um, you can really see a, a big difference. So I've seen it many, many times where people reduce and come back and they're even better than they were before. Now that doesn't mean they shouldn't run or that's the way to, to train necessarily. But I have seen that like many, many, many times. Yeah. Yeah. I have too. And one of my friends, she had never done triathlon experience ever. She was like a consistent, like three twenty marathoner. Um, and she just got like, she went all in, she did Ironman and she was only running two, three days a week. Granted that's still running two, three days a week, but that's not much, you know, if you're a three twenty marathoner, um, but she was basically biking, you know, just crazy, like five hours a week, you know, six hours a week. Um, she comes back, decides I'm going to do a marathon, you know, <laughs> like just only trains for eight weeks, but she ran a three Oh six just because Ooh. I know <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it's... I just thought of an example, but it's not that good. Yeah. Um, but, and it was me. So I, for a while <laughs> decided one summer to do some triathlons. And, uh, at the time I would probably run a 5k in like, I don't know, 19 minutes or whatever. And I started doing these triathlons. I, I found out from this experience that I do not care for swimming. Um, I did the side stroke every time cause I don't like putting my face in the water. I love it. Probably shouldn't admit that, but so that was really slow, but I love the transition on the bike. But the, the message is I then obviously swam and biked more and didn't run as much. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up PRing in a 5k in the, the triathlon. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. So beat that. That's um, crazy. Maybe it's because I was, wasn't running. But then I came back after doing triathlons and started running marathons and stuff again. And I was definitely, it benefited me to where I always think, man, I should be, even though I don't love swimming, I should continue to do that. I could do continue to bike and I bike twice a week and then I run four times a week and take one full day off. Um, and that's kind of my thing, but I, I believe in cross training. And then we can also talk about strength training too, which is a little different, but adding all those things in in the off season can really, really help and help you recover while you're still staying, staying fit. Cause everybody's worried about losing this fitness. Well, if you do a combo of running and cross training, you're not going to lose that much fitness. And like you just said, in the examples we just gave, it can even help. Yeah, it definitely can benefit. And I love how you said, let's talk about lifting, but I think for cross training, it's good just to kind of define that. I know yeah. we've been throwing around terms a little bit. So it's, it's basically aerobic in nature. And so we think running is also aerobic in nature. And so cross training is aerobic in nature also. And anything that's like mimicking running is going to really help um, with your running because you're working yep. that same, same system and granted you're not getting that same impact. So muscularly, like when you go back out, um, in the spring, if you decide to increase your mileage again, focus more on running, you're going to have to like ease into it, not because you're not aerobically fit, but because your body muscularly needs to get, you know, used to the pounding again, um, yep. the mileage. Um, but then lifting, I think a lot of people, they, they start thinking is lifting, cross training, all that stuff. So lifting is totally different. It's strength training, um, which is also lifting. That's all, it's a different category. You're not working your aerobic system. You most likely, unless you're taking like a high intensity interval class and that, I don't know where that falls. I don't consider that cross training to you. And I was going to say this too, when you were talking about, and you said it very well, when you're doing a cross training and you're doing cardio, it's sustained, you know, for like for 15, 20, 30 minutes, it's not mm-hmm. a little short burst. Cause that's going to be more anaerobic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think hit 
training and the things you just started to talk about fall into that category. Yeah. And not saying they're not good for you. It's just not the same. Yeah. It's um, just working a possible. different system. Yeah, yeah. It's just different where strength training is kind of the same. Now the ones, the programs that I've have written are, you know, we do do kind of a circuit so you can kind of keep your heart rate elevated. So you, it's still not cardio. Um, it's a little bit better than doing the rest in between just to kind of keep your body moving. That's why I like them for runners. Um, but it's still, again, not strength training is really a different bucket. Right. Like it's not going to help you directly in your running. It's more no. of like an indirect helper. And I think that's kind of like a good thing that we can talk about. And we actually did an entire podcast on this topic. Yeah. So if you guys want to jump back to like, I don't know, February or January of this year, we, we went into detail on like the differences between these two. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about strength training during the off season specifically, like how that looks or how someone can start implementing that. Yeah. So you pretty much just started to say, and I'll just give you an abbreviated version since we do have a different podcast on it. So my belief is to become a better runner. The most important thing you do obviously is run more. Um, or do more cardio with this cross training or whatever, but running obviously to be as, as, as sports specific as you can get, but you want to stay healthy and run consistently. And to do that strength, that's where strength training comes into me because it does so much as far as your muscle structure, your bone structure, and just keeping you, your core strong and keeping you healthy so you can run. Um, what I usually recommend is if you're new to it two times a week, um, if you're maybe someone who's done it for a while the off season could be a, a, a time where you could argue three times a week um once someone gets into actual training for a marathon or something i always say go back down to two because you're already doing the long runs and workouts and these other things that two to me is enough um and that's where i tend to tell people but i'd say during the, the off season is a great time to do it to get stronger to focus on something other than just running to to, to kind of uh, pull it all together so, yeah, I've been getting a lot of questions about strength training lately. And since you're, you know, the personal trainer and all of that, <laughs> I thought I would ask you some of the questions that I'm getting. So someone sure. asked me, like, what happens if you don't strength train or like, what if you're a runner who just doesn't do it or doesn't want to do it? Like, what's the problem with that? Ooh, so, I mean, obviously, you're the ooh, that's a, a little bit tough to answer. because I, I certainly do know people that don't do it. Mm -hmm. But I bet you the, those persons, if you talk to them, they're doing something that they don't even know is necessarily strength training where it's planks or, you know, sit-ups or doing something push-ups that, that is to some degree strength training. But I guess I would answer that and saying you're just at a greater risk for, for injury. I, the best example I can that popped into my head is a lot of the reason to strength train too is to strengthen your core. And if you think about it, when you, when you're out running, let's say you're going out for a five mile run, your muscles, when you're running your hamstrings and your quadriceps and calves, they're all kind of switching off when they're working and when they're pushing off. So they get rest and then they're, they're working. One thing that's always working 100% of the time when you're running is your core. Mm. So if you ignore that, um, you could just probably, you're just ignoring something that could potentially help you be a little bit stronger runner, especially longer distances with posture and different things like that and not having your form break and those types of things. So I would say you're, you're missing out on that. And just to, to me, it's such a good injury prevention and if you can run consistently, that's what I think that person's missing out on. Does that answer the question? Oh, yeah, totally. I love how you talked about the core. And I think there's other spots where runners are, like, more injury prone. I know, like, hips and knees and all that stuff. Yep. And maybe it's all connected. But I, if I didn't do, like, hip strengthening stuff, I wouldn't really be able to run long distance just because – uh, I don't know if it's been over time or what it is, but it's just something that like I have to do in order to perform at, you know, the level I'm at, which isn't even mm -hmm. a high level, but I'm just saying, you know, in order to compete. Yeah. 
And I would say I didn't even do it a lot until probably six, seven, you know, I always strength train, but not super mm-hmm. seriously more just kind of did it. And, and obviously I personal train people. So I would, would strength, but not with a ton of purpose. And when I did my ultra last year, I really changed that two times a week. And I'm telling you, cause I ran six hours in the mud. I have zero doubt that that made all the difference in the world because I had never felt like my form broke or I just felt stronger than I ever had. And I really, given the conditions I shouldn't have. Right. And I know that that was part of it. Oh yeah. Um, obviously I was in cardio shape too, and I trained for it, but the strength definitely made like a huge difference. And I've carried that over to where it's something I really look forward to doing. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it does really help with the form and just, you know, having that core strength, it, it helps with everything you're running form and just staying strong at the end. Cause once your form starts to break, um, you're just not running as efficiently. Um, and when you're stronger, you're able to, you know, maintain that form for longer, which helps you, you know, run stronger for longer. Um, but I think these are all great tips for implementing your strength training. I think it's super important during the off season. And I I know in the last episode, we talked about that's something that you can start implementing in the like seven to 10 days after your marathon, you know, starting with very light, um, you know, like preventative stuff and then just kind of building from there. And I think the programs that you've developed, um, that are specific to runners, that would be a great thing that you could start, you know, seven to 10 days after a marathon, because they're not, we're not talking like heavy lifting here. It's just very like body weight exercises and very specific to runners and, you know, like the hips and specific areas. Yeah. And these, these workouts are only like 20 to 25 minutes long and they're also geared towards, so you're not too sore to run. I get that question every time. Like, am I going to be too sore to run? And when I coach you, like you in cross country, when I coach track, I, I wrote the tra- training, the strength training, even though we had a strength coach who's a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. because I wanted to make sure that people weren't too sore to do their workouts and to run and do those types of things. Not saying that you're, you're not lifting some dumbbells and some weights like that, but just like you said, it's mostly, it's it, like someone who's used to like squatting and doing, you know, big heavy lifting, this is different. Um, it's very specific, but it's super uh, effective and efficient. Yeah. And it's a great place to start. Like if you're coming back and you haven't lifted in a while, even if you are someone who's used to like heavy lifting and you're a week after your marathon and you haven't lifted in a month. Um, I just still think it's a great place to start because you lose strength pretty quickly. Um, especially when you're coming off of a, a marathon training cycle, you probably weren't like lifting at your peak or whatever. So it, it's a great thing to, to try out. And definitely your program has people like raving about it. People love it. So, oh boy. Yeah. They must be really bored. No, no they, seriously, I don't know what it is. I think it's because it, it, it doesn't leave people feeling like totally trashed and it, it's just like perfect for runners. It, it, you know, it's only 15, 20 minutes and you can yeah. do it at home and it's just very convenient. And I think lifting, at least like for me in the past, it can be like kind of overwhelming, like got to go to the gym, got to, you know, hit the weight room. All the guys are in yep. there kind of staring at you. <laughs> yeah. I got to be there for an hour or whatever. Yeah. And this is very, and it's still very effective. And that's why, and it, and it was years of, you know, perfecting it while I was coaching track across country. And then when I came along with you, it's like, well, I know exactly what I want to have people do because I've it. spent years figuring it out. So, yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, Skelly has like 20 years of personal training experience. So he really knows what he's doing. Um, coach at the college cross country level for, you know, over probably a decade, right? 15 years. Oh my gosh. Ooh. All this stuff makes me feel old. Can we say that I started strength training when I was five? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It just shows that you like have a lot of experience and you've worked with like hundreds and thousands, probably thousands, thousands of people, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Cause 
at that gym, man, you were there for a long time. 20 um, years. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's impressive. Um, so you really know what you're talking about. And then I guess the one thing that you've helped a lot of athletes really over the years after their off season, kind of building back into training. And, uh, I think we mentioned earlier in this podcast, like someone comes to you during their off season or they took a two months off and they're like, Oh, my goal race is in six to eight weeks. So how do you plan? How do you suggest athletes like plan out their races or how much time should they give themselves? You know, let's say they just ran their goal race and they're starting their off season. Um, when should people be looking to like race and what should that look like? Yeah. And I think again, a little bit depends on the person, but if you just had your goal race, especially if it was a marathon, you're looking at probably thinking the next goal race isn't for another six months. Yep. Um, not that you don't do a few things maybe in between there a little bit, but for the most part, I would say it's literally that long. I mean, a lot of people would say you should only marathon, you know, twice a year um, and do it that way. So it kind of depends on what race they're coming off of, but I would say it's kind of lengthy. And what I like to do when I'm working with people is we're setting short-term goals. And then we, at some point talk about long-term goals and even with her training, like I have a bunch of people doing marathons coming up. It's like, what are you thinking next? So then when I'm starting to think about their off season, I know what they're thinking. And then, and you should really have a conversation and that's where you kind of have to sometimes do some tough love that, you know, I think this is a little bit too soon or here's some things you should think about if you want to try to do that and, and kind of educate them that way. So it kind of depends on the person, but I would say, you know, you're looking at a significant three, four, five, six months. I think that's great advice. I, I think allowing yourself that time off. I know we talked in the beginning of the episode about how, uh, you know, your athletes were taking four months off um, from track and cross country and just allowing your body that time to like not race, you know, and not have that pressure. Uh, and that, that's really important, especially if you want to like compete at a high level and kind of reach your potential. I think taking like those planned breaks is very important, especially even just from racing. I know we talked breaks from training and rest days, but breaks from racing in general, very important for success. Uh, and I love the advice there, you know, four to six months until your next goal race or even six months, you know, that's, that's, that's better. Uh, and I know in Minnesota and Wisconsin, we kind of get lucky, I guess you could call it because we don't have any races really (laughs) November, December, January, February. So, I mean, it's kind of like a forced break. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's not a lot going on to tempt you. There's always ways you can find it though. Oh, I'll travel somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's better just to allow yourself to have that time and don't, and don't force it, you know, like you might, and that's another thing you see stuff all over the place on social media. We live in such a connected world now where you see people in Florida racing, you see like all these people always racing and it's just like, Oh, should I race too? And just knowing that no, you shouldn't be. And there's a reason behind everything and doing your own thing and just kind of like taking your own path and not listening to the noise or feeling like you're missing out. Um, right. Yeah. And I get it. Cause it's fun to race and that's a lot of reasons why people do it. And mm-hmm. but you just have to be a little bit mindful of how much you're doing and what's too much and, and all those things. Yeah, that's great advice. I think we covered so many useful tips about the off season and kind of just understanding what it means and why it's important. And I really appreciate you chatting with me today about the off season. And I hope that people listening really took something from it. And I hope that everyone enjoys their off season if they're headed into one right now, because I'm about to start one, you know, on well, it'll be, by the time this is released, I'll be on my off season. So <laughs> I'm excited for it. Um, and I'm sure, are you starting your off season also? So I'm actually, I'm doing a 10 mile race this weekend and then I will be beginning my There we go. Season. Me and you on the same day. So yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that finish line and we'll be 
we'll be done for the year. Um, yep, and I will not eat a – is this the podcast where I talked about the Big Mac with Chinese food? I the... think so. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I won't be doing that. No – yeah, no binging after on a bunch of gluten. All right. So All right. thank you so much. And if anyone has any questions or just wants to talk about the off-season, get an off-season training plan, or maybe you're not in your off-season, you want a real plan for a race, uh, you can just head over to our website, www.run the number four prs.co fill out the form on our website and we can chat with you right away about getting started